Thank you for joining us in our uh, study of Paul's letter to the Romans. We are still in chapter 1. We're looking at verses 8 through 15. As we look at this, um, one of the things I I think you should should think about with the Apostle Paul is that his his life is, is really directed in a in a very, very focused way. Uh, one of the people that has been like a mentor to me, though I never knew him uh, through his writings and his sermons, was Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And I've been reading him and listening to him since I was a teenager. And in his biography, his wife says, nobody understands my husband unless, first of all, they understand that he is an evangelist, and a man of prayer, an evangelist seeking to win others for Christ, and a man of prayer. That's a wonderful tribute from a wife, from somebody who knows you better than anyone else. And in some ways, that tribute that this Mrs. Lloyd-Jones made for her husband is really what we're seeing in all of the longings and all the expectations of the Apostle Paul, because we're gonna we're gonna deal with some of how he dealt with expectations today, and so what made him tick, uh, even when some of his expectations weren't met or when timing wasn't his timing, he kept this thing in front of him all the time. Is that he just longed to see men and women, men, women, young people, brought to faith in Jesus Christ. And in all of his letters, you see he has a fervent prayer life. And in a way, we could each say, each say okay, let, let's, let that be, let's let that be true of us, that we long to see others know Jesus Christ and that we're known for our fervent prayer life. And so here's, here's how Paul, when he's talking to the Romans, expresses both of those things, the longing to see people come to Christ and his fervent prayer life. So here's God's word. Verse 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be aware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So in this section, Paul is continuing his greeting. But in this part, he he takes this kind of normal, um, you know, salutation and he takes it into a a glorious expression of what it means to him to be both a servant and also 
you know, a warrior or a soldier of Jesus Christ, that, that he's both uh, under the Lord Jesus Christ to serve him in any way that the Lord asks and assigns him. But he also sees himself as a person who has, who has authorities, a person who has something to give. And so we see this kind of gratitude coming forth in the Apostle Paul. Um, matter of fact, this is one of the most unique of all the letters because he mentions himself probably 10 times. That's very unusual. You know, Paul is very God-centered that Paul is very Christ-centered. And so for him to have to mention himself so many times in this, uh, there's a reason behind it. And, and part of it is that when he's talking about the grace of God and what the grace of the gospel has done to change him as an individual, he can't stop thanking God and then he talks about the fact that, and, and this is for all of us, his joy is in serving the Lord, you know, and, and he loves to serve not only the Lord, but to serve before the Lord in terms of his prayer life. So he prays without ceasing. And here, though he's never been to Rome, he prays for the Romans uh, Christians, he prays for the Roman Church, and and it's interesting because what he prays over and over again is that he longs to see them, he longs to come and impart to them some kind of spiritual gift uh, that would be useful to them, and so we have the Apostle Paul, you know, speaking about himself these ten times, and in in these ten times you can see really three things, and there are three things that I would like you to see in your own life and, and I believe would make a difference in your life. And especially, these three things are important when life is preventing you from seeing the longings or desires fulfilled, the things that you most want. Paul has a great longing to go to Rome, and yet he's being prevented. He has a longing to see uh, what God is doing among the Christians there, and he has never been able to go. And you can tell that it has been his expectation, it has been his desire to go. And so Paul helps us in this to begin to understand, what do you do with desires, what do you do with longings that are good desires, that are good longings, but are not necessarily being fulfilled? And so the first thing that he does and, and it's three things that you see in, in the way he writes here. He has tremendous gratitude, even though all his expectations are not being met. He lives with a heart of gratitude. And then as we look at this, you, you begin to see in verses 8 and 9 that he's looking for, even though he can't come and see them personally, he's seeing places where he can give thanks. In verse 8 and 9, he has thanksgiving for the their faith, and their faith in Rome is so substantial that, that it's being proclaimed. It's being, it's being made known throughout the world. So this is somewhere in the mid-50s AD. So Jesus uh, was crucified, raised, and ascended almost 25 
or 20 some odd years earlier. And so in that short period of time, 20, 25 years, the gospel has spread throughout the ancient world and it has penetrated even to the center to Rome itself. You know, this is an amazing, this is an amazing reality when you think about it, that this, this one little faith, this one little expression of religion, in a sense, starts out in Palestine, starts out in Jerusalem, and now it has spread and has effectively spread to the capital city of the Roman Empire, Rome itself. And Paul himself knows at least two dozen Christians in Rome, and that's just the tip of the iceberg of all the people who have come to Christ in Rome. So, do you understand, in some ways, his own personal desires feel like they're being thwarted. His own goals for where he wants to go and what he wants to do is being hindered. But yet, he looks at a bigger picture and he says, God is reaching the cities. Christ is being exalted in the largest cities of the world. And so he knows that as these Christians are being raised up in Rome, that they're going to spread throughout the Roman Empire. It's an amazing kind of thing where where Paul looks and he sees something to be grateful for. He sees something to be thankful for. You see, if all you ever do is look at where your expectations are not going to be met, you're going to go into depression, you're going to go into anxiety. Paul's not denying the fact that his greatest desire has not been met. He has a, he has a as a matter of fact, that's the, really the second thing that he mentions over and over again, his longing to see them. But one of the things I, <clears throat> I see in this is sometimes, sometimes Christians are so hungry to see signs and wonders, so hungry to chase after the latest move of God. And, and Paul kind of gives a, a diagnostic here for what you should look for. You don't just look for where some miracles are showing up. And I, it's not, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but, but don't just look for miracles or don't just look for where people are saying there are signs and wonders. Here Paul says he wants to go to Rome not because of the miracles that are happening in Rome, even though there could have been miracles happening in Rome. He wants to go to Rome because he sees the true evidence of the work of God. And the true evidence is this substantial faith of those who are following Jesus in Rome. I love signs and wonders. I love to be in healing services. I love prophetic. I love all of the supernatural gifts of the Lord. But what I want to see is what is being produced. And that's what Paul is talking about here. See, what he's grateful for is not just that there's a few moments of sensational manifestation. What he's excited about is that there's something that's sustainable. Their faith is a sustainable faith. And you see, from that place of faith, then the whole of the Roman Empire can be, can be conquered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this is, there's also an interesting he, thing here as well. Usually, we increase our prayers when things are not going well. But what Paul says here is he, things are going well in Rome. The gospel is flourishing. 
And so he's increasing his prayers because of how, how well it's going. You know why? Well, because he basically, we pray that once the work of God begins to flourish, you know that's going to draw the attention of Satan is what Paul is basically talking about. And, he, and, and it also, once things begin to get uh, productive and fruitful and successful, human pride can come up and spoil the whole thing. And so what Paul is praying is not only for more flourishing, but he's praying for protection. That as good things are happening in Rome, that, that they would be able to withstand the attacks of Satan. That as good things are happening in Rome, that they would not live for their own pride, but they would abound in the very glory of God and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I love this this second aspect of what he talks about here. Paul is honest and vulnerable, and he's saying, I have a deep desire, I have a longing. He says it over and over again to see you in Rome. This is a great truth for you and me, because a lot of times what we do is, if we don't think something can happen, we just stop wanting it, or we play like we don't want it. Paul doesn't pretend. He wants it. He he longs to go to them, and he probably has at times expressed that he thought he would be able to come, and he has not been able to come. You see, what Paul does here is what you and I have to do with our desires and our expectations and our longings, is that we have to still yield them to the timing of the Lord. He has a great desire. He wants to go to Rome. He wants to set up Rome as a base so he can go to Spain and he can go on to the, maybe to Great Britain and stuff. He wants to go to these places, but he has not been allowed to do so. It's so interesting because he says here, as God is my witness. What, what a thing to say. He, he's praying for them. He's constantly praying and asking that the longing of his heart would be fulfilled. And he actually says, that by any means possible, somehow, Lord, let me get to Rome. You see, he's being so, in a, in a way, nakedly honest in his prayer. You know, even if something you long for is good, before the Lord, you can just be incredibly honest because he already knows. But here you have the Apostle Paul who is yielding his greatest desire to the Lord and to the timing of the Lord. Now, there's some reasons when you think about it. Why was he prevented? This desire was good. It was fulfilled. But why are some of the reasons he was prevented? Well, we wouldn't have the letter to the Romans, which has changed the world for 2,000 years. Because he was prevented, he had to write the letter. Here's, here's one quote that I wanted to give you. When I really long to do something, and what I long to do is faithful to the Lord, and I'm almost exasperated because it's not happening in my life. Um, I have to be able to rest in the absolute wisdom of God and to know that when he prevents in one way, it is or in order to prepare us, to prepare me and use us for blessing in a way that at a time we would never have imagined. Paul had no idea that this letter was going to be as important. He kept thinking, if I could just get to Rome, and God said, no, I need you to write this letter. I want you to write this letter. And you and I could say, Paul, we needed you to write this letter. Now, the last thing I want to talk about in this 
is I love the, this phrase that Paul uses. He says, I am under obligation. What does that mean? Well, it really means the same as what the prophets would say when the hand of the Lord is upon me. Paul lives under this sense of the gracious hand of the Lord being upon him so that everything he does is in the service of the Lord. And he, he, he constantly feels, in a sense, a weight. It's the weight of the burden of the Lord for whatever assignment or whatever ministry. And, and this isn't just for apostles or missionaries or ministers. I want you to recognize that as you begin to, one, you know, express your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as you begin to give your longings to the Lord Jesus Christ, what he will do is when you're honest with him, he will start to download to you. He will start to impart to you some of the burden that he carries. And so Paul carried a burden for the Gentiles. He had a gracious obligation. And because he submitted to that gracious obligation, he was filled with divine inspiration. And then you see his expectations were in alignment with the very will of God and alignment with the resources of God, in alignment with the power of God. So he had, a, he had a burden. He called it a gracious obligation. Everything he did, he did under command, under commission of the Lord. And because of that, revelation and inspiration and, and all these resources came his way, and he could live even when he didn't know when his longing to go to Rome would be fulfilled. He could live in expectation of the fulfillment. See, I'm asking you today as we look at this passage together, I'm asking you to, to say this with me. Whatever God wants for me is what I want for him and therefore is what I want for me. So that's what Paul was saying. That's the, that's the obligation. Whatever God wants for me, I want for him and therefore I want it for me. In a way, what Paul is saying here, and it's such a beautiful way to close it, is basically Paul is saying, as God is my witness, I serve and worship him in the gospel of the Son. And for Paul, it was an assignment to the Gentiles, to the barbarians. I'm asking whatever your assignment is, that you would get this, you'd get this pattern in. What, is, what am I under obligation from the Lord? What does he want from me? What is the burden that the Lord is sharing? And as you come under that assignment and that burden, and you come under that obligation graciously, not, not, not because you have to, but because you've received it, like the prophets of old, like Paul the Apostle, you will receive, as you receive that obligation, you will receive the resources, the tools, the inspiration, the revelation to carry it out. But here's the beautiful thing. As Paul writes this letter, he is filled with expectation that if God has given him an obligation, then God will give him the fulfillment and the fruit and the greatness of it. I don't know if you know this, but God has plans for you to be great. God has plans that that his glory will be revealed in you and through you as his power flows towards you and then through you to others.
This is this is this is why you've been saved. This is the purpose. This is the goal. And you're not just supposed to live out of obligation in the sense I got to do this out of duty or I've got to do this to be approved. No, because you are approved, because you are accepted, you begin to say my obligation. It could be to the very family that he's placed you in or the job or the school. Lord, I'll carry your burden here. Then start to listen and look. He'll give you inspiration. He'll give you tools. He'll give you resources. Take advantage of it. But the great thing, and this is one of the greatest things in life, and this is why, you know, Paul's dealing very honestly with his longings and desires. It's because we as human beings need hope in order to keep going. We need anticipation. We need to expect the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When you're under the obligation and you're experiencing divine inspiration, you can't help but live with wonderful expectations. Will you receive this today? This Paul's teaching as one who is a servant of God, but also a warrior of the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. God bless you.